Love the record Thank button. Hello and welcome to Be Meaner Than It with me, Max, and my co-host, Jake. What's up, Jake? Why? Why are we starting off like this? Why are you doing this? Just play with it. We have two very special guests joining us tonight. One and a half. One and a half. (laughs) I'm not that special. (laughs) Oh, wow. I thought you were talking about well, I thought you were talking about yourself. I was like, wow. Well, it's getting a little arrogant tonight. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm just the guy standing next to the guy. <laughs> that's No, that's my line. I know, and I took it. <laughs> I took it, and I made it mine, just like the Romans. Yeah. Sorry about your civilization, but that's all mine now. Well, if you haven't figured it out, that is Walt Robillard and Nick Cole. Also, Chaos Action. We are so glad to be here. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, this Thank is a this is a trip. Time. We love your show. Oh yeah, man, I'm so pumped. It is my makeup. It is my favorite podcast, and I actually have two podcasts that I do personally. And one of them, I get to drink unlimited amounts of coffee and eat peanut butter squares and yes. try to molest my wife, who's really hot, <laughs> while we do it. I try to break <laughs> break her focus, and I'll like pull at her top and stuff like that. And this is even better than that podcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, my cup runneth over. <laughs> well, so do hers. You, you, <laughs> you make up half of our audience, so that's really exciting for you guys to be here. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, feel free to jump in at any point, but we are on. We decided to stop doing chapter by chapter, and we're just doing like events. So this yeah. one is the Rangers are betrayed. And uh, let's see, we ended, we ended last, we ended the last one with uh, Talker finishing up his interrogation of Jabba, who becomes super cool later on. Right now, he seems like a, somebody high on meth or coke. The funniest and, thing about Jabba is like, I check in with him every book and he has the most like character. He has like the most development. Most of the ran- like like most of the Rangers have yeah. kind of stayed the same. You know, they're doing their thing. They're very focused. Talkers developed, but like literally had to be dragged into mm-hmm. development. Thor mm-hmm. had kind of a development where he's like, but he stayed he stated it very early on. Like as soon as he got to the ruin, he's like, I need to ETS immediately. And <laughs> and Java's the only one that's become like like a gearhound. You know, like yeah. he's just literally he's learned jobs, he's learned job skills, he's learned how to manipulate everybody. They all think yes. he's a dog. He's actually a god. He's a really smart goblin who's figured out how to just like in, in the latest book, he's become Talker's therapist. And like Talker yes. will sit there and I like, like, you know, I've got to get more grateful about my situation. He's like, I don't really talk to this about the Rangers because they wouldn't understand. But Jabba does. He'll just listen. But I think he's just holding out for Moon God Potion. I literally, <laughs> I was literally in a section today. But like Jabba's the most evolved character. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I would agree. I love, I love picturing him in like, the makeshift uh, uh, vest they have them in and the broken fast helmet, just lugging yeah. belts of 762 <laughs> everywhere with Soprano. Yeah. He's dragging a smoke. He started, he started to eat Tanner's dip. He eats dip. He doesn't chew it. And that pisses Tanner off. Yeah. Yeah. And for, those of you, for those of you who have never eaten dip, you know, chewed dip, just get yourself a pinch and take a swallow and then you can find out what <sighs> living hell is like. Make sure but apparently, it's, it's either Red Leaf or Copenhagen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but apparently the little goblin likes to eat it. 
It's very nice. And then he gives you a weird smile as he eats it. I was reading that yesterday, uh, doing the chapter, <laughs> like doing the look over on the chapters for you. And yeah. uh, uh, when he started eating the dip, I had like a gag reflex. <laughs> I was like, because I mean, you know, you, you all do it because you, you come out of uh, you come out of basic training and you're like, I'm going to smoke again. And you smoke a couple of times in your airborne school and then you get to rip and they're like, oh, you like cigarettes. Well, that's nice. We're going to pull your lungs out through your nose now. Um, and you're going to uh, need yeah. that lung capacity for everything we're going to do to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you quit smoking really fast or you're just gone because you're, you, you don't have the lungs to do it. Um but when he started, you know, when he started, uh, what do you call it? When he started eating the dip, I was like, I remember that time where I got slugged in the stomach and I swallowed a whole <laughs> truckload of the juice. Oh, Man, no. no, no bueno. Yeah, it's, it's instant grain, like just a little bit of swallowing it. But I can imagine yeah. just eating it. But it feels uh, like you're never going to breathe again. That's what it feels like. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm going to die right now. Yeah. This is it. Ugh, that was that was gross. I'm glad I I'm glad I derailed the whole podcast with Javi. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs> well, to bring it back around too, the the analogy for um for Jabba as a dog, um, we had these uh, when I was in Iraq, we had these uh, South African contractors that were building a military base behind the little fort that we had, and um, they didn't have any like early warning systems or protection or anything like that. So um, we, we, we ended up picking up a, a gaggle of dogs because uh, the Iraqis hated them. They saw them as rats. They didn't like them. Um, yeah. So we were like, no, don't kill the dogs. Don't kill them. Because like if you see the Iraqi dogs, they're like this weird hybrid of like Anatolian uh, like shepherd dog and like a German shepherd. They're beefy and they're covered in fur and they're just woolly and and pretty terrifying when they're moving packs. But um yeah, we grabbed a couple and we started training them. And like the first day they were like Jabba where they're like pasted right next to your side. And they got like their head looking up at you at all times. Like, is, is that food? Can, can I have that? Or no, is that food? I, I I'll, I'll eat anything you give me, you know? And then like a couple of weeks later, they're, you know, like they're sitting at the gate and they're like, is, is, is he cool to kill? Cause if he is, I'll get a treat later. Right. Um, yeah. And they're like early warning systems. And then like, like after that, uh, you know, once you get them a little more trained, they're like, okay, um, yeah, I'm going to go out with you and I'm going to sit here until you tell me to do something. But when you do, it's going to be awesome because you love me and I belong, you know, and that's kind of <laughs> like Java <laughs> reading yeah. him in the current thing. He's got all the Rangers old gear. He's got like the, the rolled up shirt that doesn't fit him and the, <laughs> the messed up helmet. You yeah, know, this is this is perfect. But he's he's just orbiting for whatever he can drink or eat, <laughs> you yes. know. And he's kind of he's picked up a job skill as an AG. And I think there's one scene in the last book, or is in Violence of Action, where the the gun position is getting overrun, and Soprano shucks his sidearm and just hands it to him, and he badly ventilates some enemy, and then just starts yes. stabbing him with a knife. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> 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 but I think uh, ultimately Jabba is going to end up because someone did a really great mini of it and we're having that turned into a piece of art and Jabba is going to kind of be the mascot for Wargate books and really uh, uh, yes. uh, Forgotten Ruin just kind of like the you know he's like the Mickey Mouse of violence yes. and fantasy yeah. intersecting 
So I if it. I get a three foot statue of that made, I can expense yeah. that, right? Oh yeah, totally. You can you can you can take it to South America and you can hold it up in front of tribal Indians and say Akuna Matala. <laughs> <laughs> oh snap! That's great. So yeah, let, uh, let, let's talk about some uh, let's talk about some Rangers getting uh, getting screwed over. Yeah, yeah totally. Who so uh, Talker, something's been bothering him. He's, he's starting to connect the dots here uh, in his mind. And I think we're getting a little now, now that we've read all the books, I think we're seeing like the psionics really the little psionic seeds are sprouting in his mind. And yeah. he's uh, I think he took a lot more than just the dialogue from when he talked to uh, Jabba. And he he's got this hunch that's just really bothering him. And he needs to tell the sergeant major and he goes up to the uh, the C-130. Sergeant major's busy, but. Once he wraps up, they go talk under the wing. And uh, uh, so Tucker begins to disclose uh, these details in his mind, how he's going to formulate this hunch, the smadge. He's worried. He's kind of worried how it'll be taken because it's super nerdy. He's going to have to get into all this Greek mythology and it could get super nerdy, super quick. And if we know Rangers, uh, that can kind of elicit this, uh, like violent tick they might have with anything that's kind of different than what they're used to. And uh, so, you know, the gamble here is uh, if it sounds good, great, but uh, it's good info. But the risk here is that he could be digging latrine duty with uh, Kennedy for the rest of his life. Yeah. Yeah. But he doesn't he even, still have, he does, yeah, go ahead. He still, he still hasn't found his place there. So he, he's uncertain in the tribe. And he he's he has the examples of what it's like to be the perfect ranger, which he considers to be Kurtz at that time, or Thor, and then the guy who the company has collectively decided to get rid of, and that's Kennedy. Yes. And he knows he knows he doesn't want that. And I, and I, and I, as I as as Tucker's psionics gift kind of develops, I kind of wonder like if his language ability came from the psionics, and maybe he's not such a great master linguist. It's just the psionics give him some kind of ability to, to like figure stuff out. I don't know. Maybe he was, a, maybe he had psionics before he went to the ruin and, mm. you know, they just kind of blossomed, but whatever. It's kind of neat to see that ability level out throughout the books. So yeah. if he was psionic beforehand, what will the ruin reveal in him? It, it, it like in addition, could he get, like I think, double when, whammied? I think, I think like, or, you know, like if he, well, I mean, he can start having tentacles grow out of his mouth and his skull peels away and he has a brain. <laughs> and, then, and then and then TSR fast ropes in and destroys my uh, word processor for even writing mind flare. <laughs> <laughs> There's like seven monsters you can't use, and mind flare is one of them. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There's seven mon- There's seven monsters that they're wholly responsible for, and they won't let you play with them. But I figure, you know, like, what, is, what does Pathfinder do? Or somebody does something where they take the beholder and they call it something else. Yep. Yeah, and you can basically do that. It's got to be workarounds. So. Yeah, there's the, workarounds. The flare of the mind instead. Yeah. yeah. Totally original. You know, he, he gets into that conversation with the Sergeant Major. And again, you know, Talker's new to the Rangers and he has some preconceptions Mm-hmm. that don't necessarily match what rangers really are and i was trying to kind of point that out in that scene 
because you know it's easy to assume like oh rangers are elite shock troops and and they must just be like hyper grunts and it's like that's actually not the case there's like literally guys in the rangers who have doctorates in physics you know or like you know pat tillman pro athlete you know college educated and everything like that a lot of rangers are super and even more so nowadays are super highly educated and very well read they may not go in for all these sort of like nerd stuff but they have their own nerd you know they have their own nerdisms they're huge students of history and war so yeah in that scene he's going in and he's saying to the sergeant major oh shit i'm about to talk about some really gay hippie stuff would be a way like, <laughs> you know like you know centaurs and artemis and the moonlight and shit like that except the clues have been there that the sergeant major is really well read he always has the Kindle out, things like that. He's he's just he's yeah. a, and he's also he's a Delta operator. It's hinted in there that he did his two tours of Delta. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he he he's he's not your average bear. He's not your average grunt. And I think sometimes when people don't know, it's easy. Like sometimes the like the narrator who I really like and everything is great. He will have a tendency to make all the rangers kind of sound the same and maybe a little bit more line infantry and things like that. But that's that's not actually the case in the range of time. They're actually, they I think they're GT scores. Or are they still call them GT scores? Yeah, Gentile. yeah. Um, they're pretty above average. Yeah, back in the day, you didn't you didn't need any GT testing to get in. Uh, you yeah. just had to pass the uh, the psych eval. Uh, but nowadays, uh, I believe it's one hundred and five minimum that you got to have. Um, whereas uh, uh, special forces, I believe, is still one hundred and fifteen. Hmm. So yeah, you need to you need to have a, a a general testing score that that will accommodate you being told to tie your shoes, chew a pack of gum, and uh, not swallow your dip at the same time. So I don't want to brag. I don't want to brag. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to brag. But I only ever met one other person who had a higher GT score than me. Really? Yeah, and he was a nuke engineer. Oh yeah, those guys. Oh jeez. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm like, how smart are you? You're going to get radiation poisoning. Your balls are going to fall off. <laughs> <laughs> Look smart doesn't translate immediately to street smart. Like, no, smart. The smartest people I things. know are, yeah, smartest people I know are as dumb as a bag of rocks. Yes. I'm right in that nice, sweet spot. Crafty <laughs> and stupid. <laughs> like, like the. Uh... It's perfect. It was like the character we rolled last night on the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I was like, "Why are your dice poisoned?" <laughs> <laughs> this person would not survive birth, much less basic naps. training. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to meet the guy. I would love to meet the guy who say, who said, "Yeah, yeah, I got an honorable. I got a. I got a medical discharge from Nets." <laughs> Just like, I'm just like I'm a, you. Okay. I'm 100% VA disability too, man. 100% yeah. VA disabled for an incident at Mets. <laughs> oh my god, it hurts just thinking about it. Oh man, they exist. Okay, okay. I totally lost my place in my notes. All right, all right focus. So, okay. So uh, he goes. You know how we felt weird about McCluskey and Sergeant Major does this like it's all yes it's all coming together he like scans the horizon and like slowly looks back at talker as in like continue i agree um 
Talker uh, goes, well, here it goes. <gasps> and Sergeant Major goes, well, he's a SEAL, son. He doesn't even, Talker doesn't even get a chance to go into this. Uh, <laughs> the Sergeant Major does it for him. Uh, yeah. He goes, if a SEAL was going to call himself something, I could see Triton being one of those things those nut jobs would fall for. And when I was, when I reread that, I was again thinking like, man, Talker, I wonder if this is like, talker imprinting everything that he was about to say into the sergeant major it all made sense in like a fraction of a second for him and he and he connected the dots before uh before that's that's that that's a really cool insight and i never thought of that but i i don't take you know responsibility for writing i just you know pray and turn on and start writing but yeah (laughs) he totally he totally could have been broadcasting and like, you know, like how much of Talker's interactions are just him psychically overwhelming people. Maybe Last of Autumn didn't even like him. Because <laughs> yes. he was a, he was he was a dirty Gaijin Ranger. Oh shit. Now I gotta go back and read everything again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the end, I'll be it'll be like J, JK Rowling. In the end, Talker was the real villain. <laughs> oh shoot. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, I know Talker's end. I just wrote it like last week in my head. I was like, "That's that's his end right there." Oh, it's a oh. it's a it's a bunch of books off, but I really liked it. I'm like, okay, that's how he's gonna end. Oh snap! The wow, silence fell a little room. bit. I feel like I just ruined Forgotten Rose for a bit. They're like, there's there's an end. <laughs> oh snap! Like Chris Chris Farley doing the the Japanese game show Kagamoosh. <laughs> I was just watching that last night in the part where he's like in the electrical chains. Yeah. <laughs> it's the greatest sketch ever made. <laughs> I don't speak Japanese. <laughs> Computer said I was going to a game show, not being in a game show. <laughs> No, uh, you know, at some point, you know, before I die, I've got to end Forgotten Ruins. So I like to know where things, like when I begin a book, I know where it's going to end. So like same thing with this series, like, you know, I'm not saying that Forgotten Ruin ends, but but Talker's definitely got an arc and things like that. And and I think that's that's a cool thing to do that respects the reader instead of like the cash grab like well as long as you guys keep showing up you know i'm gonna keep dealing with talker and it's like then you get these ridiculous fantasies where the guy goes from pfc to general of the army you know like talker's never gonna make it past specialist (laughs) (laughs) never ever (laughs) you know like it's the opposite it's the opposite of every sci-fi you know platform (laughs) <laughs> you know, or, or, or Brad, where you know, like you know, plucky young, you know, hero's journey works his way up through the ranks. Like, but the reality is, like, you know, you get into the army and and you're you're motivated by private too, and then PFC is very interesting. And man, if you could just get into the the sham mafia, that would be great. Maybe you attempt corporal. Maybe you're a weirdo and decides to reenlist for sergeant or whatever. And you know, and then you're like, well, okay, I'll I'll let life crush me all the way to like E6, E7, everything like that. <laughs> you know, and then you decide, well, I'm kind of motivated. I should I should you know go to college and be an E8. You know, an E9. Well, I've been here long enough. I've been standing around. Now I'm a sergeant major. Great. You know, but uh, <laughs> I like that most people like reach specialists and just like suddenly have this revelation about what life is all about. Yes. 
Yeah. E4 Mafia. Yeah. E4 mafia. For life. For life. Uh, yeah. What, what, is, what do the Marines call it? Uh, Lance Corporal Underground? Yeah, Lance Corporal Underground. That's an E3 for us. Corporal's an E4. Right on. Yeah. yeah, but at that point, you guys have already gone through your uh, basic NCO school. Yeah. Right? For Corporal. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah um, for So, you know, you can't wait to E4 to, to begin your shamming. You have to do it early. Yeah, you learn the art. You learn the true art. <laughs> when you're in a line, when you're in a line unit as a specialist, you have learned the entire section or team or whatever. You know how to run everybody for the sergeant and make his day easier. And you know how to do everything with minimum amount of effort and maximum amount of enjoyment. And then you fall. <laughs> and then there, there are people that fall for the lie of like, well, you could be in charge of this whole shit show. And that's the biggest mistake ever. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> Why don't Jake, you just run it and not take any of the responsibility? Jake can confirm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see you searching your past with those empty eyes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I remember the good life as a four. And then I'm like, I'm gonna be a corporal. Yeah. And then everybody in the everybody in the unit's trying to take it away from you. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you sold out, bro. I'm like, oh. I don't know what I did. In my life. <laughs> I don't know what I did. Everyone hates me now. No. Okay. So, okay. So, so moving on to Forgotten Run. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, now, now something scary happens, right? The smadge starts to talk in a low and like confidential voice, almost like a mutter, and he just says, "Follow me," and uh, he did. Talker did. That's, that's he, pretty good impersonation there. Thank you. Uh, I don't I don't listen to it, so I just kind of wing it with the with the dialogue here. Uh, he walks past the two saw gunners, follow me, boys. And uh, they also don't say anything and don't ask any questions and just go, and, and like if I if I was one of those saw gunners, I would be like, first of all, this is weird. I'm guarding the aircraft with a freaking saw. But um I would be both excited and immensely terrified about what we're about to do. The smadge is in the wire. He's got a sidearm out and he's freaking pissed off at something. Here we go. I don't know what we're yeah. doing. I like that. No one asked him like, because like a civilian would look at that and they would go, well, why don't they ask him what he's doing? It's like, you don't understand the power of a Sergeant major. You don't know. <laughs> you don't. No one says, what are we doing? Sergeant major. Why would you do that? Sergeant major. No one asks him any questions. Mm -hmm. no. I was a saw gunner, and if somebody walks up to you and says, "Come with me," you're like, "I'm going to lay some hate." That's the only thing that I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. And that section have... sergeant would sit there and be like, and he would be the one with the questions. But the only two questions out of his mouth were, would be, uh, "Canteen cup or shovel?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's with a... I too would ask no questions. Absolutely not. Yeah, it's 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 a really great, I think, scene. You know, he said humbly, but it's 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 a really great scene just about you know the power of the sergeant major and him connecting the dots and just just how NCOs like you're reading it exactly like the archetype is really Sam Elliott. He's such a great you know actor. He does really he does a great performance as a sergeant major in When We Were Soldiers. And I thought you know that's that's really you know guys talking like this and this is what we're gonna do and you know just a little little grittier and tougher and and man a few words and 
he's unquestioned, you know, like a good Sergeant major in a unit, their, their word is the 10 commandments. It's just, yes. that's what you're going to do. You know, no one's, and, and even on the officer side of the house, like you'd be a fool as an officer, even up to the rank of captain. The only one who can really like take a shot if they want to at the Sergeant major is the XO, but that guy's too smart yeah. to do it by then. Yeah. Oh, uh, was that guy's name? Sergeant Major Plumley. Yes, love that yeah, character. Yeah, he was. That was that was a great role. It was a great role. Um, so it becomes clear they're on their way to McCluskey and looking to either confront or annihilate this man or vampire. Um, they go to his clamshell enclosure. Ugh, clamshell. What would have been enclosure. great, real quick? What would have been great yeah. is if they would have killed him, and then and then someone would have said like. Uh, Oh, you know, like, oh, we killed the, you know, we killed the vampire. And then one of the gunners would be like, oh, I thought we were just killing the seal. <laughs> <laughs> He's totally good with it. <laughs> yeah. 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 He was a vampire? Really? <laughs> oh, no way. Oh, okay. you, uh, you weren't here for the briefing, huh? Yeah. No. Just thought, uh, just thought we were killing a seal. My favorite review of all time is when someone says, this book is not hard enough on seals. <laughs> they do have all the good press oh yeah we've got the great agents i yeah i love i love from the get-go it was just all about how like oh yeah they'll probably get a book deal out of this or something <laughs> i loved it uh so he slipped away um and they go kind of to investigate and uh only one fighting position, I think like one of the furthest most fighting positions saw him crossing the river while the sun was going down. Yep. And I was like, man, how did nobody see? Like he was right in the middle and nobody saw. And then I looked at vampires on D&D and they can, they can like form into mist and move around. They can form into like a small bat and fly around. Um, I wonder if he took any damage crossing the river because in... Uh, in D and D, anyway, vampires if they if they uh, cross uh, moving water, it actually hurts them. But I, you know, I don't I don't know where that came from uh, in like mythology or anything. Like any, that. I think any any kind of purification rituals uh, harmed a vampire. So silver is a purification ritual. Moving water, um, usually the reason they couldn't enter door like houses is because those houses had been blessed by a priest like and, you know and so they couldn't cross the, the threshold so that was always the big thing but i think there's a, a paragraph in there that alludes to the fact that his time in the ruin he's gained some sort of like charms and things that help him to kind of move around right. and circumvent circumvent those things but yeah it's definitely displayed that he's not at his best at that time yeah yes you know um it kind of and then um to conclude, to conclude this episode um, of the ruin, uh, so the gloom and uh, setting, McCluskey's gone. They obviously can't trust him. Uh, <coughs> they're going to be in for a long and probably very violent night. Yeah, and, and I that, think I think the the Rangers like really quickly assess. Because it's not like McCluskey went, you know, you know, rubbed his mustache and said, Nyahaha, I'm going to come back and get you. And it's not like he actually did anything. He just left. And as has been stated, like, 
whenever sort of like high speed, super cool guys all operate together, there's a certain amount of like, if you're in another thing, you know, you're doing your thing and, you know, uh, and a lot of enlisted, you know, they're just going to like observe that and let that go. And the Rangers kind of do, they just let him cross back over the other side. They could have stopped him, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. because he's not one of them, they just let him go. And like, the argument could be made that he's going to link up with his people. He's just being a typically uncommunicative squirrely seal who, who's steeped in secrecy and thinks that's an amount of control they're going to get, which, you know, if you, if you talk to people in Afghanistan was a problem, but Mm. what the, the Rangers do is they do some figuring and they, they kind of rightly divide that this guy is most likely an enemy agent he's operating. and, And at the minimum, they shouldn't factor him, or relief in any of their plans. But I kind of had to put myself in the commander's position and say, well, what would I do? And you can never go wrong being paranoid as a leader of any type. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, you should, you like, because paranoia is, is sort of like a genetic survival trait. Let's just call it that. And so it's kind of better to assume the worst and then have a plan for that. And I think that they do. They just, they just go ahead and say, well, he didn't say he was going to actually do anything. He didn't give us any calm for how he was going to do it. So the only thing that we can think of is that he actually came in here, scouted us, figured out our shit, and knows our plan. So let's immediately change our plan to something that he doesn't know. And so then they decide to build a retrograde you know, uh, defense that anticipates they're going to get attacked based on the information that the seal knows. And then what they're going to do is they're going to use walking mortars. They're going to use interlocking fire, talking guns, and basically continue to fall back to the best choke point they have, which is the hill. Yes. I love that. Yeah. That's half the fun of writing books. It's just basically blowing up your action figures in the dirt. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. I have I have an I have a question on the writing side of things. How how do two authors write a book? How do you guys like do that? That blows my mind. Um, usually, Jason and I like uh, will take and and take up like narratives and arcs in and and uh, like how we we mainly started doing it at the very beginning. Like if you look at the Galaxy's Edge series. Mm-hmm. He would he would he would take one set like one group of people and I would take another group of people, and then we would write those and then sometimes we'd jump in and and finish up whatever was going on with those people or, you know maybe like a side story that had some different people or things like that. Then uh, other times we'll we'll flip into a role. It just depends kind of like on what our workload is, and maybe mm-hmm. one person's going to do a, a bulk of the writing, and then the other person's going to kind of come in and read and correct and uh improve and uh sexy it up or funny it up jason does funny i do sex i do sexy um you know so it just it just mainly it's however you can get it done and it just depends on the word like one time like jason's family had a kid and jason was just like overwhelmed and so like i had to jump in and do some extra stuff and then i've had some downtimes too where jason's had to kind of jump in and do the the lion's share of the work so I think if you're asking me from a standpoint of, I think what everybody thinks is they see how Jason and I do it and they go, oh, that's what I should do because they have success and they Mm. seem to make it look easy. But the reality is, is it's, 
I think writing partnerships are very, very difficult. Even Jason's and I has had difficult moments. It's just, it's, it's very hard for two, like writing is a very solitary business. And, you know, it's, it's like I was just saying, it's fun to just play with your action figures in the dirt. And Jason, and I will joke about this. Like, I want to light the action figures on fire and kill them and burn them. And, and Jason's like, well, wouldn't it be great if we just put them on the shelf and displayed them and looked at them and cherished them? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's just too, like, it's too, and, and I think it works for us because it's the two wolves thing. Um, yeah. But I don't, but Jason and I have really good communication with the same sort of worldview and, and philosophical outlook. And we put in some like parameters on how to, how to decide you know, disagreements and arguments. And then, you know, I had some, after I got the military, I had some acting training in Hollywood and I learned a method of storytelling that, that, that absolutely forces you to work together. And unless you've trained that way, it's really kind of hard to understand it. But for most people, I think there's way too many problems in working together. And I've actually Mm -hmm. seen one partnership where one guy did all the work and the other guy had a side story that he was writing and that hit and got a big publishing deal. And he just stranded the other guy with all the work, oh. you know, and what happens if you get successful? Like Jason, I never tell anybody who writes anything mm-hmm. because, because you'll get people saying, well, I like Jason and I hate Nick. And that doesn't bother me because Nick hates you back, but, <laughs> but, but you don't, you know, then, then, then you're doing this tribalism and this division and, as we can see from the current state of the United States, that doesn't seem to be working out too well. Not so too we well. always just, yeah, we always just try to say, you know what, we're, we all, and we do, we all work on everything together, but you have to shed a lot of ego to do that. And you have to shed the ego, especially when you get successful and everybody's praising something that you wrote, but you have to share credit. And mm. if you haven't shed that ego, and, and, and again, writers are horrible people. I will say that writers are terrible, mm. awful, horrible people because we, you know, we're the villains of the story. We have to do, we have to do, Oh, hey, do you like this great character? He's really nice. He's cocker. He's good. Oh man. He's in love and everything. Like now watch me fuck up his life for the rest of the book. <laughs> yeah. Look at all the jacked up shit that's in my head that I do to talk her. Like writers are kind of, you got to embrace the dark side, I guess. And yes. that, that, that's, that's problematic in and of itself and everything like that. So, you know, here you have this, this writer that, that, you know, is probably a flawed and broken person now having to share credit with other people. And you have that sort of green eyed jealousy monster that's in there just craving to be acknowledged. But when you're in a partnership, you have to abide by the terms of the agreement. The, the agreement is we both work on everything together. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, you can't, you can't take the deep back. You have to do it for the team. Jason's a huge team player because he's on team, you know, and Spock, which has a, basically a baseball team for a family. And I'm a yeah. huge team player because I'm trying to avoid several criminal indictments. So <laughs> I, I just try to, cl- no, no, I hear Here's a, here's a really great reason why I'm a team player. Because at some point, some of the shit that I say, like on my other podcast or the things that I've done, yeah, he's gonna get me. He's gonna get me canceled, and so mm. I want Galaxy's Edge to be say, "Well, that guy didn't even really write it. He wasn't even here." You know, yeah. and then I could just step. I can step into the background, and they can be like, "Ah, we fired him," and everything like that. And it won't cancel Galaxy's Edge. It may cancel me, but it won't cancel Galaxy's Edge. So, you know, I don't. It's good to I hear. Don't think, 
I don't think partnerships are good ideas generally. And everybody writes me all the time and like, how do I do a partnership? And I'm like, it just, it generally doesn't work. Just write your own book and have a good time. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So next, so next up, we are going to go through some forgotten ruin RPG stuff. Um, I think Walt's the mastermind on this. So Walt, where, where do we even begin here? Uh, well, it all started in a little farm in Iowa. No, I, <laughs> sorry. Um, Superman? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, um, uh, you know, there was a lot of call initially for, um, because the book has Kennedy in it, you know, uh, everybody's favorite B&D uh, super nerd who turns out to be the actionable intel source on the ground. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a lot of interest in people saying, hey, uh, <laughs> We gonna RPG this or what? <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, you know, we we had our initial talks with Jason and Nick, and um, uh, we had already been brought in. Uh, me and my crew had already been brought in uh, uh, for the Galaxy's Edge role playing game, and we tested Ooh. a couple of different things. And uh, uh, Nick came out for a couple of great play tests, and uh, he said, "Hey, you know, I really like this game engine uh, that you have." Uh, we want to do it for the Galaxy's Edge role-playing game. So, you know, we started putting that together, but there was a lot of bang. A lot of people were, like, down for Forgotten Ruin. They were like, no, nah, this, this this needs to get dice, bro. Yes. So, like, um, <laughs> what ended up happening was, um, you know, after several conversations, I was like, you know, Talker is always referencing D&D, right? <laughs> he's always referencing D&D, right? And uh, he knows he's going to – you guys know what a white line drill is? Yes. <laughs> Nick does. No, mm-hmm. I, I'm getting like blank stare. So yeah, uh, uh, back in the day in the early 90s, uh, you know, back when we were in General Washington's army with the pointy hats, um, <laughs> we had um, uh, when you crossed over from the airborne school on Benning to where you were going to take um, the trip to go through the Ranger pipeline. Um uh, on the outside little formation area you had the little crushed gravel that everybody stood on and blah, blah, blah. But behind that, there was this row of trees and about three, three and a half feet up. There was like the white line tape that you put on trees for like, you know, like uh, gypsy moths and all those like pests and stuff like that. But they weren't that they were just white tape wrapped around the trees at about three and a half feet up. Right. So in that gravel with your hands in that gravel and not your knuckles, cause they're not mean, they don't want to break your hands, but you know, just in the palms, the nice squishy bits, right. And right in the base of your hand, yes. that's where your hands go in that gravel and your feet go above the white line. So when you hear, when you hear somebody from back in the day, talk about white line drills or, or, or white line pushups, that's what they're mm. talking about. You in an elevated position, giving your best for God and country to the Ranger Regiment so that you can become stronger, work longer, and think deeper about your poor life choices that made you to that point. <laughs> now, that's interesting. I actually have been laboring under uh, misconception. I oh, thought really? that the white line drills involved strippers and cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That was after I you got in the regiment? <laughs> I did not. Did not realize it was that. No, just <laughs> but uh, but yeah, as Kennedy always pointed out in the books, you know, oh, you know, I when I played D D, you know, once yeah, he realized he wasn't going <laughs> to, once he realized he wasn't going to get white line drilled, 
you know, when yeah. he, when he ends up uh, thunder humping that, that troll and orcish advance coming up the hill with a staff and is like, then I do that. Right. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, they were like, dude, what, what you got any, dude, you got any of those D and D books, you know, <laughs> like Rangers were clued in. Um, but like, he was always mentioning the game. And, uh, you know, we kind of talked it around and we were like, look, I could do this game in five minutes using the system that I personally own uh, with my uh, with my guys over at Hazard Studio. Right. We can do that five minutes. Be an awesome game. You'll love the hell out of it. Uh, it's 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 really cool. Uh, but I, th- I think we'd be doing a disservice uh, to Kennedy because, um, <laughs> um, you know, if we don't link this back to D&D, you know, when he starts talking about saving throws in one of the books and if you're playing the forgotten ruin rpg and you don't have a saving throw right that's yep yeah you know now you're missing well, where's my saving throws i want to do saving throws you know so <laughs> uh, well, one of the things that happened uh you know way back and way back was uh, uh the company that bought dungeons and dragons couldn't keep up with the demand for what they were, were being asked for so they did this crazy thing called the ogl the open game license and what they said was Anything that we specifically own as uh, intellectual property and as story content for Dungeons and Dragons is ours. Everything else, we don't care if anybody uses it. Use it, publish your own stuff, make adventures. Because the thing is, people are going to see the adventures. They're going to want to play them. They're going to buy our books to do it. Mm -hmm. So you got all these crazy retro clones that came out. Well, one of the easy ones that they came out with was called Swords of Wizardry. Right. And they have a couple of different versions, um, mostly like um, if if you liked D&D, like uh, Nick talks about the uh, the basic and advanced set that he used to play like mm-hmm. way back in the way back. Um, and like Swords and Wizardry is kind of like that set right before they went to advanced. So they they could like, you know, <laughs> kick Dave Arneson out of the club. Um, but uh, but before that, they had these like this basic set of like booklets. So swords and wizardry was the game system that we, that we went with, which is basically just like old D and D and, um, uh, but they have that version of it. That was just like the three little white booklets. It's super easy to play. You can put it together in five minutes. And like one of the things that, uh, you know, I went to Nick and Jason, I said, you know, something, uh, one of our friends, this guy, Pete spawn, he has this book called, uh, operation white box. Right. And it's uh, special operators and like French resistance in World War II fighting against the Germans. Right. It's based on that white box engine. It's it's a great game. And I was like, you know, we could take this and bolt on, you know, uh, I was uh, working with a company at the time called Fading Goat Games. And we did a ranger supplement for this, a modern ranger supplement for this. Uh, and I said, you know, we could take those things and then throw the orcs into it and it works seamlessly, you know, and nice. we could, we could have this together in five minutes. Right. So um, we put it together and we had a 25 episode, 25 session play test mm-hmm. um, with uh, that. We broadcast on YouTube and Twitch um, and uh, it, it was super easy. You know, the only thing we changed was um, we kind of uh, we we kind of gave you something to play with at the later levels, so like you don't just come in and you get all this cool stuff in the beginning, and now you just you gain a level and you're like, what do I get? You get three more hit points. Well, that's lame, 
yeah. you know, you know, nah, 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 you know, you don't want that jazz, <laughs> you know, like, uh, for example, um, uh, up to about fifth level, everybody gets something like every once in a while. So like, for example, the, uh, um, at third level, the combat medic, right. Um, he can resuscitate people that get punched. So like you're defending Ranger Alamo and all of a sudden that orc jumps over your, over your defensive line and jumps into your fighting position with you and like pole axes a dude, right? He gets knocked down. They managed to put, you guys know what a Mozambique is? Yeah. Sorry. Country. Uh, well, okay. I'm not going to talk about that in an open line anyway. <laughs> um, so anyway, they punch, they want, they punch two to the vest and one to the teeth to drop this orc. He flies over the thing, but this dude is now ventilating life's blood, right? Mm. You knock him down to like negative. He's dead in the game. He's not coming back. But at third level, a, uh, a medic, um, if he can get to that character within three rounds, he can save. Him. Nice. So like he's the dude that's dumping on his chest and then throws in, a, uh, you know, throws in, you know, that needle in between the third rib to take care of the tension pneumothorax. And then all of a sudden that dude's like, oh, and you're like, I got you, bro. Right. That's something you can do at third level as a medic. Right. But we went beyond that. We're like, all right, we have to make this forgotten ruin esque. Right. And I just want to note that yeah. my, my combat, my combat lifesaver course uh-huh. only consisted of me yelling, stay away from the light. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, did you pass? Yeah. Yeah. I got a certificate and everything. I framed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Did you have to spike anybody? So did you have to give uh, IVs? We didn't, we didn't do that back in the day. Oh, IVs. Yeah. But uh, not tension new more thorax. I didn't think we like, they, they didn't trust us with that. Like, are you yeah. kidding? The lawsuit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Did you know they're not spiking anybody anymore? So no more IVs and CLS? Whoa. Why? Why? When, when did that change? Oh, God. 2009, 2010. Okay. Somewhere around there. Uh, well, I don't know if they put it back. I could use to help you, but we're not doing that. Anymore, so. They were like, when, whenever I heard that, my jaw dropped and they were like, yeah, we don't want to uh, give intravenous fluids anymore. We want to, people to drink water instead. I'm like, what if they're non-responsive? Uh, yes, this is the army. You don't ask questions. I'm like, yeah. whatever, bro. You can still pr- uh, uh, provide 800 milligrams of Motrin. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Change your socks. <laughs> Change your socks. Yeah. Oh, you beat me to it. Um, but yeah, so, uh, in addition, we wanted, we wanted to have that real military operator feel to the characters, Mm -hmm. but at the same time we wanted, um, we still wanted to have those elements of like one of the coolest things ever. Right. And, and I've talked with Nick about this before. And, uh, you know, a lot of people in the, uh, in the fan club, I've talked about this with, um, oh my God, the, the scene of freak squad going into, um, the Medusa lair. Mm. right yes i just loved it right but not only for the fact that you know they were going in to do the super dangerous thing talker was gonna like max out his his psionics and see exactly what he was capable of but just because of the fact that tanner is what he is uh monroe uh yeah monroe is what he is right like everybody like had this like you know like forgot they they were ruined and the ruin yes. revealed, you know, and we yeah. put that in the game. 
So there is a chance every game session that one or more of you in the crew can get ruined. And um, one of the, there's a couple of different ways to do that, but one of the ways that allows more control for the player is that um, at levels six, uh, for, for most characters, it's level six, eight, and 10, you get kind of like an advance that you can spend on your military training. But if you don't want to do that, like, for example, um, there's the war breed uh, ruined path, right? And those mm -hmm. are people who are turned like Monroe, orcs, minotaurs, ogres, trolls, like big, nasty, like these things are bred for warfare, right? You can, you can yes. have that. So like at level six, if you, if, if you're, if you're OC, your observer controller, the GM of the game, if he's, if he's running um, ruined advances like this, he can say, yeah, what do you want for your advance? And dude, I want to do war breed, right? Immediately your armor class like shoots through the roof. Cause now you start like bulking up and your, your skin becomes super tough. Um, you get a base strength of 17, right? Nice. So you're, you're already like, you know, you were swole before, but now dude, you're, you're shredded, right? And then yes. um, <clears throat> if the character's already go already that strong, it goes up by a point. But so that brings you to 18. Now, if you're already at 18, we don't want to max the game out so that like you're throwing boulders like an ogre just yet. You gotta yeah. have something to play for. So if you're already that strong, your constitution will increase by one. The only downside is you get just a little bit dumber. So it's a point of intelligence, right? Because I like it. You know, now every every time you know something spins up, and every and like somebody like Kurtz is like, get the weapon section. You're already there with three belts and a giant gun that looks like it should be vehicle mounted. Going, dude, you had me get the. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, like all these things are now programmed in the game. Like one of the final sessions that we had. Um, when James Ward was playing with us, we, we were saving this big reveal for one of these ruin paths. And um, one of the, uh, one of the characters became a werewolf awesome. for his ruined advance. And he shredded like eight legendary game designer, James M. Ward. <laughs> designer of deities and demigods. We killed him in our game. <laughs> but like he, like that, that reveal was, was epic because he's the only one who knew Right. He was the only one who, who oh, had cool. an inkling that it was coming up. Right. And at the table, you know, uh, you know, there, um, uh, James's character was kind of like hanging back. He was, he, he had already been uh, ruined into like a little gnome, right. <laughs> so, a little gnome into combat gear. Right. <laughs> so he was hanging back. He didn't want to be involved in the fight that they were in. Right. But um, Rob's character was like, getting sick and i kept sending him instant messages like you're sick throwing up imagine being really hung over but you have these credible shakes like you got the flu and he was throwing up and blah 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 so and then all of a sudden here comes the here comes the violence you know and there yes. was and there was the werewolf and like uh, i got email on that for a couple of weeks people were like dude he ate him i'm like yes he did yes you know, but like stuff like that really added some spice to the gameplay. Um, and uh, in some of the other test sessions uh, we've had, um, we had somebody who was um, uh, uh, like, uh, there's a divine path. So like, if you want to play chief rap and be like, sweet Jesus, put this boy's soul back in his body, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, yes. You can do that too. 
right? And so like, there's all these different paths that you can take, you know, or you can continue your military training. So like, um, there's a, a, a class in the book called a specialist, right? So like, if you're those support units that the Rangers bring along with them, um, Air Force TACP, um, the, you got uh, combat controllers, or you got like uh, special forces medics, the guys who go through SOCOM, which is special operation combat medics course, right? Mm-hmm. So you got like all these like, guys that they always bring with them these these subject matter experts so you play a specialist um they have a a thing in there where um your first uh advance uh you can become a psyop specialist so like like that voodoo mind warfare stuff right so um initially you have this ability to like rally people um as a psyop specialist you can rally all your allies which means all the people you're you're you know, on your team, but like, say you're working with indigenous forces, say you got that, like uh, that uh, um, Amish biker gang of dwarves, <laughs> right. <laughs> that shows up in the later books. Right. And they're getting pasted by whatever you're fighting. You can sit there and, and with psyops uh, your first advance rally everybody. So they get massive bonuses to turn the tide. Right. Mm-hmm. That second advance is where things start getting creepy because now you're the guy who goes into the city um, at like Portagon or something like that. And you know, you got to destabilize this group of pirates. So you start handing out flyers that like all the people who are helping the pirates um, uh, are like targeted by people, you know, kind of like when we were over in uh, um, desert storm and they were dropping flyers over the populace, like, Hey, you know, these people aren't good for you. You might want to, if you see us coming, just move. Yeah, and they have, like when you're back on base in the strip club, puts out <laughs> back to strip clubs. Or, flyers. or yeah, or or when or when the first sergeant at the Friday four o'clock briefing says, "Don't go there." It's really a psyop to go there. I think we can all yeah. agree on that, right? I, I absolutely <laughs> don't go to this place. Who didn't huh, go to this place? I should go that place. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so we, we, we put in tons of these like paths and advanced training and, and stuff like that. There's some in the, uh, the play test book that you can get right now if you join into the Kickstarter. Um, mm-hmm. The second you join in, uh, within the hour, you get an email and the email has the link to download the book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, it's we did it kind of like um, one of those uh, uh, leader patrol books. You yeah, know, like I a, saw that. Like, like a write in the rain notebook. Uh, all the pages yeah. have lines, just like a write in the rain notebook. Uh, all the pictures in it look like they were taped in. Yeah. Right? So like, uh, you know, it's it, we, we tried to do it like, um, like Kennedy. I really want to bring my D and D, but I don't want them to know. So <laughs> he stuffs it in a patrol book, right? So, but the the trick to it, um, and the great thing about white box, is say you are on you know, assignment or you are deployed or you are forward uh, somewhere where, you know, weight's, a ma- weight's an issue. You know, you, you're, you don't have much room in your, in your A bag. If you got a, a B or a C bag, uh, it's probably loaded with a bunch of gear, right? You, you got a tough box probably, but that's going to be like stuff for, you know, regular everyday comfort. How many books do you want to stuff in? You know, uh, you know, yeah. how much weight do you really want, right? This is all going to fit into one book. Yeah. Right. I love it. I think I like about the game that's really cool, which is I think the same thing as writing the book is that you get to play with modern, you know, military stuff. And I think a lot of the times RPGs fooled around with that. 
in in a fantasy setting like well let's make you know artificers let's have like muskets and blunderbuss like that's great and everything like that but i would really like a machine gun or a recoilless you know rocket launcher that would that would be more fun for me and and then the other thing is like you have to you have to understand like you know the average platoon uh you know 22 year old guys carries enough firepower to level level a small city yes. so when you're playing like regular D, you know it's your six characters generally versus like six to 12 monsters and then you know that and that's a it's a fantasy fight it's a brawl and that's kind of fun everything like that but most of us in this day and age, you know, we don't have like, unless you're, unless you're like a CrossFit maniac or like Walt, you know, and, and you're engaging in physical hand to hand combat all the time. And you're enjoying that and stuff like that. Most of us are, are training and learning how to fight with actual like long guns or sidearms and things like that. And, and so then the fun part about Forgotten Rune is you get to plug in fantasy monsters. And so it's not just this, like, you know, you swing, I swing, take damage. I defend all that kind of stuff. It, it really is, it, it's much more fun and tactical and interesting, not just for the player, but actually for the observer controller or DM role, where you kind of have to get creative. Because like, if you throw like 20 orcs at three guys with machine guns, it's not really much of a fight. You mm-hmm. kind of have to come up with a way for your guys to win. And so now it's, it's kind of like a fun inter, interchanging game. But then, you know, you have, you have fun doing that. And this, you know, I where this kind of came from is I had read an article in Dragon Magazine years and years and years and years ago, like 1983. Um, these war gamers said, let's take some Nazis in like half tracks and make them fight trolls. Let's see what that's all about. And I always thought, oh, that's really interesting. You know, and they were using flamethrowers and Panzerfausts and, you know, German, you know, MG42s and things like that. But then the trolls were like throwing rocks and then they had a wizard that was throwing spells. And it was like, you can, you can kind of match it up almost like that verbatim, like we do in Forgotten Ruin, where the orcs sort of do the, the mass, you know, more Korea than Haji style human wave attack. Yeah. But at the, same, at the same time, they've got fire support from the rear with a wizard, you know, doing stuff. And then they've got, a, they've got an actual tank that they can move into the battle, which is a giant. And then the rangers deal with that just like they would deal with an actual tank. They shoot a Carl G at it. And so it really becomes this like fun sort of like, I think it gets back to the tactics of wargaming instead of where wargaming kind of got, which is very ephemeral and feels and like, you know, let's all go and find the secret recipe for the best cuppy cakes. And it's like, no, <laughs> let's murder some dudes and take their shit. How yes. do you do that? And that's, you know, that's kind of what happened. Like uh, when they were first playing D&D before it was D&D, they were all playing some stupid like Lancelot and King Arthur game called Chainmail, And then one day they were just screwing around and there was like a castle on the board. And there, and the one guy said, I take my knight into the castle. And then someone, I think it was Gary Gygax said like, okay, there's a room in there and there's a dragon. And he's like, I fight the dragon. And they just started making up rules as they went. And the genesis oh. of RPGs is really just war games. It's really just like moving pieces and trying to be tactical and everything like that. The other shit is fun, but what I really like about Forgotten Ruin is you can have all that shit, and, but you do get to get back to fighting and combat and tactics, and then you get to kind of level it up as you do three levels of that, and you're like, oh, no, I want to become an operator. Oh, no, I want to I become like an owlbear ranger, which, would, which is what every ranger would want to be, because <laughs> yeah. what every ranger wants to do is like, I want to be Wolverine. Like, literally, I've had oh. rangers write me, and they're like, 
you know that thing the captain did? That's what I want. Okay. You know, so I mean, like, you'd rather be an owlbear because that thing would kick a weird tiger's ass. But, you know, yes. then you'd be like eight, eight feet tall. Um, and you'd look like an owl. You'd have an owl head. That's kind of cool. I mean, I like owls. I think that'd be fun. But weird tiger is pretty sexy. So we have to leave it at that. So anyways, it gets back to sort of actual tabletop wargaming. But at the same time, then you can kind of do the, all these fun things. And then here's where it's really cool is like a lot of people either never learned to play RPGs or like one guy who was a ranger sniper wrote me and he said, you know, like I always wanted to play. Everybody made fun of it. So I played hockey. He's like, I want to jump in on this now and learn. It's like this system actually makes it super easy to get started. And then who knows, maybe you're like, okay, I did that. I always thought I wanted to do it. I read the Hobbit. This is, this is really not my, this is, I would rather go play Elden Ring or, you know, make an account on OnlyFans. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I'm not the only one. Oh, the table's turned <laughs> quick. You know, or you're like, oh man, I love games. Games are my jam. And, and now I've got something to do with my friends and, and other people. And then we're going to even have like, kind of like, we have this rallying point that we're forming online. So people can actually, now that we're in the age of COVID or whatever the hell this is, you know, you can jump on zoom and get your wear tiger on. So it's really cool. Actually. I, I dig it. It's fun. I've played like 25 sessions. Let me tell you, tell you about my uh, cockatrice whip. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my God. <laughs> Do you know people still still like watch that episode and they comment on that particular page? It was great. And the YouTube page. And they're just like, uh, one guy was like, um, I was trying to eat dinner and I was taking a sip of something and it spit all over the whatever, <laughs> you know, uh, because it, it was, it was really funny. Oh, you know, man. but the, uh, to get back to what Nick was just saying um, uh, about the, uh, even the, uh, the GM has to think on his feet. Um, we just dropped a 20 page adventure to all the backers. Ooh, I got um, that. And at the end of it, um, there's like a, a thing for new GMs that are like, look, if you're having a hard time because um, your players brought that mean old 249 and they're just pasting all the orcs, like the orcs owed the money. Um, <laughs> here's something you can do. And it's like, it's a monster that has something that a monster would carry that un unless they, st unless the team starts using tactics, um, the monster is going to paste them, you yeah. know, because the monster yeah. is carrying something that defeats their weapons. And it's, it's, it's really a lot of fun. So like, uh, yeah, we, we, um, uh, that it's, it's really great. And I, I really think it reinvigorates like that old school D and D because, uh, for those players who've been at this 10, 20, 30, some 40 years now or more, um, uh, even Nick said, he's going to open up a, uh, the retirement, the D and D retirement home. Yeah. It's yes. going to be great. <laughs> I'm just going to play D and D all day. Oh, man. <laughs> but I mean, you know, for those players who have been, you know, oh, yep, it's an owl bear. Oh, yep. It's a, oh, look, you added a spell to a goblin. I'm so excited. You know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, hey, this goblin force raided our supply line two days ago. Uh, th these guys have M4s and have no clue how to use them. Good luck. Yeah. You know, um, so or, it or they do, or they do. <laughs> yeah, somebody <laughs> trained them. They're, they're not the great shots, but they know which way they know which way goes bang. 
Yep. Yep. It's yeah, like watching yeah. that. You uh, know, or, or give Jabba a grenade and see how much fun that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here, take this and uh, yeah. walk over there and pull the ring and give it to the guy you want to hurt. If you've ever played D D <laughs> though, like with a guy who really, like when we were doing the James and Ward guy, um, we had this guy who's like a pro level wizard D and D DM guy. He's like really into it. He like knew every spell in the entire world. And like watching that guy yeah. run a ma- magic user was like, cr- it was like, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And so like, sometimes when I, I want the Rangers to, to fight like spell users, I think about what that guy will do or I'll talk to him and things like that. And it, it's just, you know, like now it like, it's cool because it brings modern warfare. Like if Honestly, if there was a Call of Duty game that was Forgotten Ruin, that'd be the best game ever. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't have that now, so we just have to roll dice. (laughs) (laughs) And for everything else, is Elden Ring? Yeah, but I don't know why they haven't thought of that. They're like, let's have Black Ops again. Okay, let's have Troopers in space. Oh, let's go back to World (laughs) War II. And you know what? Everybody's got reticles. Really? World War II. Great. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Sarge, I'm just going to put this hollow sight on my grease guy. Oh, God. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> Watching Call of Duty hurts more and more every year. But yes. You know. yes. Yeah. yes. I, I really like that. I like, I like how you need strategy to run this game. Uh, when I yeah. ran a couple of D&D games, it was basically like, at a certain point, everybody became a superhero and it was just like, just became this, okay, oh, what's the most powerful thing I can throw at you now, you know? And it just became like, almost like a, a conference meeting every time because it was just, you know, two big forces yeah. going at it, no tactics. It just kind of got boring. And yeah. this is cool because it seems like even though you can get a high level, there's still an element of like vulnerability that these yeah. rangers seem to have. Well, that's what edition. Oh, go ahead, please. What, adi- what, what edition were you running? Uh, 5e. You poor yeah, see, that's yeah. that's part of the problem right there. Is like, the, don't get Walt started. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> but not to get this 5e political. Yeah, <laughs> there's a shirt right there. That is a shirt. Um, but you know, like, like, like old school D&D, which is based on was was much more like i mean like you know as a kid little grommet sitting around you know a game shop in 1983 you made a new character every other week sometimes because the college kids just killed you they're like well you're out of hit points but i only had three <laughs> hit points and i was a wizard and i got to cast one magic missile and you're dead you know it's just like they're, they're like i never had a I never had a character make it beyond six level you know and it's the way with this too. There's, uh, you know, it's it's based on that old that old style D and D. everybody's got some version of D six for hit points. That's it. Yeah. So um, even at your hit points max out at around ninth level. Um, mm-hmm. So the most you're going to have is like 54, 54 hit points. Yeah. And we put levers into the game, kind of like selector levers on a firearm. Yeah. Right. So if you want standard vanilla, just take it off. You know, if you just want the regular game, keep it on safe. If you yeah. want, if you want, like, I don't know, I'm looking for a little something spicy. You take it off safe, you put it on semi, and now you have all your weapons instead of being like some version of D6. It's, yeah. It runs the gamut of different dice. So like, um, I think uh, if you go to that one, um, it's the, I think the Carl Gustav has, uh, 
I was just doing the uh, the tables for the battlefield, the big like big weapons the other day. That was yes. fun. Um, but like um, the uh, the heavy machine gun is two uh, d ten plus ten per shot. Ooh. Sweet, right? That's a six to eight round burst, right? And and that's like um, that's like uh, your your twenty five millimeter like kind of thing. Right. So mm. you're rolling around or, or you got like a Maduce on the back of a, a, you know, on the back of like a JLTV um, and you just or you just start ripping the trigger. And you ever see that Rambo movie where he's threading people with a 50 cal and they're just yes. coming apart like hamburger. It's just so beautiful. Or cord say bye. <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's funny, like when you read the books, at no point are the Rangers or superheroes. No, they have some, they have, they have good equipment, but like it's right. mindset and yeah. tactics. They're only a company sized element, you know, and they fought battles upwards of, you know, a thousand, 5,000, stuff like that. You, you, at the end of the day, the things that, and you guys know, the things that make a difference in, in battles is like channelizing the enemy, bringing the concept of mass to bear, working together as a team and having a no fail mindset. And so those, those are your superpowers. I would rather have those than like, look, I've got eye beams, you know, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm Jubilee. Here's some sparkles. They rip on Jubilee. <laughs> Jubilee in this book. That's kind of funny. Oh my God. <laughs> Here's some sparkles. There's some sparkles. <laughs> But yeah, so so far the game's been fun. Uh, it's been well received. Um, like I said, it's 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 foundation is solid. Um, Pete's book, uh, the Operation White Box, he did a really solid thing. Um, also, uh, White Star, which was uh, James Spawn, uh, no relation. Um, uh, his book is is three hundred fifty pages of you know like uh, Star Wars, not Star Wars. Um, mm. You know, um, also on that same on that same engine so um and then you got um you got the guys that did sword and wizardry you know matt finch and those guys and it's like it's like these are all solid <clears throat> excuse me solid well-played systems that they've updated so that some of the nitpickiness that you had back in the day when you were sitting around with the little booklet going i don't think that's really what it says i mean i know what it says but that's not what it means <clears throat> you know you're not doing that you're just playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Lack of coffee. Get after it. Where's I did. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you got a really playable game. That's a lot of fun. And as we demonstrated on the show last night, um, character generation takes eight minutes, 10. If you're really struggling to determine whether you got the wool socks or the new high, high speed socks. Awesome. I mean, you know, I mean, but most of the, uh, most of the decision-making is going to be, um, no, I want to be a machine gunner. No, I want to be a grenadier. No, I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, um, if you are, if you are a Marine and you have a crayon and you can restrain yourself from eating your crayon, you can play this game. <laughs> I'll have two crayons, one for eating and one for drawing. There you go. Yeah. You're a smart Marine. Right. Promote, promote on site. <laughs> yes. You know, so is there any? <laughs> is there? Uh, is, there any, is there any questions that you guys had uh, about the game? Uh, have, I know, uh, I know, Max, you've you've looked at it. Um, you got any questions about uh, 
anything you'd like to ask uh, either myself or my esteemed colleague? I think it looks pretty cool. I, I was talking with Jake about it. Jake, uh, I'm going to throw him under the bus here, isn't familiar with D&D like at all. And um, I think the uh, I'm, I'm going to force him to play at some point. When The other night we got called in to some emergency at one of our facilities and we, it was I mean, the perfect thought, time to do it. Wouldn't it be great to play two hours as this yeah. gunfight plays out in the ballpark? <laughs> <laughs> Just break out the book and go. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, I don't have any questions. I'm really looking forward to playing it. Uh, okay. How, like explain how you, how old are you? 31, 32, 38. How did yeah. you go through 38 years of your life and have not be familiar with D and D? Exactly. What the hell? What fine line did you thread where you either did not beat up on nerds who played D and D or no. you were not a nerd who played D and I didn't beat up on nerds. I was just always like I played football. Okay. And so, no, that, yeah. yeah, I brought it up to people and they're like, what, what are you talking about? Let's go lift weights. And I'm like, <laughs> you don't want to talk about wizards right now? All right, guys. All right. No, it's totally gay. Let's go uh, like spot you, stand <laughs> over you. Heard? Look at yeah. my junk while you lift. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah. crying again. No, yeah. <laughs> just crying. crying. <laughs> <laughs> just crying. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. No, it's, it looks, it looks super great. Um, our, we, we're playing, uh, my group's playing uh dungeon crawl classics right now. Oh it's yeah. DCC is good. Yeah. It's really fun. Uh, there's that same element of like vulnerability there where like, Oh, I can't, what do you mean? I can't just rush in and kill 10 guys right now. Oh, yeah. that's cause I have four hit points. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let me plan this out real quick. Um, I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to invite our, our DM for that is, uh, he's just super busy with family. So the rules look easy to uh, understand. Easy, yeah. Yeah. If you played and DCC, this is DCC um, taken back a step. So you don't have as much to deal with, but um, you can plug in certain things. Like in the beginning of the book, there's like skills that you, you could implement a skill system. There's a trade system that you can put in uh, trade as in like you have a profession versus not having a profession, um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we just, uh, we also just announced, um, uh, our next three stretch goals uh, for the project oh, today. Cool. So um, at 35,000, if we reach that high, uh, we're going to have Thor's gear locker. And that is going to be a very comprehensive book of like oh, yes. firearms, explosives, uh, rocket launchers, vehicles, you know, everything he wants to print for the ruin so that he can go <laughs> uh, take his jam up North and go, you know, do his barbarian thing. Um, yes. Then at 37,000, we have uh, an adventure for characters level five to seven uh, called House of the Red Serpent. Um, and that is going to be a full-blown, like, like balls out, several session adventure um, where we're going to, uh, and uh, we, we've talked about this with Nick, we're, gonna con- con- we're going to create single white Medusa as a as yes. a as an npc that you're going to have to deal with in house of red serpent to um include a wall size poster that uh that that she's going to be like we we have people that can like um we won't have to photoshop how she really is but we can like we can medusa that up yeah the guy who we want to do is a frisetta artist 
And so it's going to look pretty sexy because she's pretty sexy and she was, she was into it. So we're like, cool. So it'll be like a warrior queen Medusa. Yeah, she was like, into it. Warrior queen Medusa. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Yeah. My wife's going to be know. like, who's that? And I'll be like, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's not real. She, but it she is real. Lives, it's so real. She, she lives in our bedroom now, honey. <laughs> she watches us uh, oh no uh, the last stretch goal is going to be um, a complete source book written by Nick Cole the ruined source book and that will be a complete source book of everything in well not everything but like of all the lands in the forgotten ruin of the time of the rangers and that's uh, that's at 50,000 so if you want Nick to take a summer off and do nothing but create this source book and have me um, grab a crap ton of art goblins yes. to make this happen. Tell your friends, let's get us to 50 grand and uh, we will, we will make this book. How soon? Yeah, I, re- I really want to write that book. How, how quickly was this funded once it hit Kickstarter? Two hours. Two, Two hours. hours. Yep. We're yeah. going to get 50,000. crazy. We even had one person uh, pay for the super deluxe package, which is to hang out with myself, Walt and Jason in Vegas for one night, eat steak, drink scotch, go shoot guns, and then play a game in the, in the hotel suite. I'm so jealous. I know. Yeah. Let's credit card it guys. Let's all do it together. (laughs) (laughs) We'll all pull in still through. Well, why don't you guys buy one together? Yes. You could go as a couple. <laughs> Just like at work, Jake. Back. Back. Come here. Come here. Let's go. Rumors. Rumors are Give me your hand. They went to, they went to Vegas together. This <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool thing. We were shooting guns, but you went together. That sounds like a Tuesday to me. <laughs> those are not pillows. That's the those are not pillows uh uh goal. oh my god so yeah uh we've been doing pretty well um it just while we were on the show it just jumped over uh 27,000 so we're almost at 28,000 now so we're at 27.7 walt and i are gonna do uh uh, breaking chokeholds in uh on the casino floor (laughs) you you guys could write it you guys could write it off as training Okay. Like, yes. Okay. I'm going to email my Lieutenant right now. Hold on. So just, yeah, just tell them that uh, uh, you're going to be um, uh, learning uh, escape of vascular neck and head restraint. Need a yep. fully funded trip to <laughs> Vegas. Vegas to shoot or... guns, drink, drink whiskey with possibly criminal author, um, <laughs> eat steak at Emerald's restaurant, learn to break chokeholds. Report to follow. Report to follow. <laughs> Reasons unknown need full funding. Okay, that should, that should be good. Yeah, right on. Good. We can do it. We can do it. Yeah, you guys are Santa Barbara, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Well, like, didn't Dennis Miller, Dennis Miller just sell his, like, $60 million house there? So I'm sure some of that tax money went to the, the department. You should get your cut. I should make friends with the business office and just start funneling money for Forgotten Ruin. Slow bits at a time. My my transmission needs to be replaced in my vehicle. Don't, Jake, they're not, 
They're not gonna know. They're not gonna know. Even though we lease the vehicles, I'll I'll, I'll figure out a way. I'm gonna figure it out, Jake. This is one of those times not, where we're this, like, this is not illegal. It's not illegal. Isn't that not a line from Har- Harvey Keitel's Bad Lieutenant? They're not gonna know. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're super stoked about the campaign. We're stoked about Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's uh, gonna be rad. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, you know, I'll have to bring my uh, uh, I'll have to bring my specialty dice with me. Uh, the mm-hmm. ones I can put into, uh, um, you know. Never mind. I'm not going to take that thought to fruition because we're on. <laughs> this is this is going out to the public. Never mind. <laughs> it's only four people. And half of them are here. Are you afraid? Are you afraid that you you were gonna, you're gonna say I'm gonna keister the dice, and then some TSA agent is like all like, I'm, that's where I'm going. I want those dice. No, no, I'm I'm gonna do that anyway. It's been a slow year. I gotta use the restroom. I need to get my dice out. <laughs> oh my well, god! For accuracy check. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Oh. Oh my god! I just, got- you know what? I'm so stoked! I'm so stoked that you guys like the books enough to do a podcast. That is, I, like I said, this is the best. It's my favorite podcast, and I just love how much fun you guys are having with it. And, and we, uh, that just, just means everything as a writer. We just love it, and uh, man, we're we're so glad we got both of you on here today. I think the credit really goes to our wives, though, because we kept trying to talk to them about it, and they were like, "We have no idea what you are talking about." <laughs> Please do something with all of this. You need you need an outlet. <laughs> yeah, I was it's like Tanner just became the sheriff of the dead. And my wife is like, I I what are you talking about? I'm like, oh come on. <laughs> you don't understand me. You don't, this is amazing. Babe, he doesn't smell them. He normally does smell them, but he can't now. He doesn't. So he's gotta be okay. Do you even like, Jabba? <laughs> oh my god uh, I wish I was recording this because that would so be my next ringtone <laughs> do you even Java do you even Java I, I don't well, want to make him jealous but the Medusa loves Forgotten Road she always yes. she likes the feely parts but she'll I'll, I'll like give her a chapter and she'll go well there was a lot of war today and I don't like that <laughs> <laughs> but like if, if there's like a talker in autumn moment it's like oh that's so you were writing about me where i'm like yes yes all the good female characters are you <laughs> does that work i think it does you know unless she's like she she's like well how come she had red hair <laughs> didn't your ex-girlfriend have red hair and i'm like i just work here do you want my? Do you want money? This is how I get money. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, this was super awesome. fun. I, I'm so glad both of you could come. We're super oh, right honored on. that you guys could be here, and uh, we we obviously really love the books. We can't shut up about them at all. So um, very cool. We're yeah, stoked. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, thank you. No, we're honored. Thank you. We'll have we'll have book six to you by the uh, end of the month, and then we roll on to book seven, which I think is oh, going to be called. Uh, what was the name? Of it? What was the title of it? Um, I think it might like something like "Never Shall I Fail." I think that's what it's going to be. Oh yes, oh. <clears throat> that sounds so fun. 
I can feel my Rangers handbook rattling in my ruck right, right near me. <laughs> <laughs> Take me out. Thumb through me. Thumb Get acquainted again. Well, well, well. Oh learn, how to make a, learn how to make a knot. <laughs> <laughs> I had to rig a, 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 a couple of spools of concertina wire to a hood. We were in the middle yeah. of a rack. And uh, um, my boss looks at me and goes, please, would you do something about this and just unscrew it? So I get out of my truck. I roll over and I'm like, we have to transport this, all this equipment. Uh, 30 clicks. It's not rocket surgery. Put the wire on the hood. Strap it. Down. Yeah, but it keeps falling off. I'm like, fine. Get me some 550 cord. <laughs> and they're like, what do you, what, what, but we have it st- shut up and get me some 550 cord. So a few minutes later, they're watching me and they're like, what is that? That's a bowling knot. Shut up. What, uh, what is that? That's a Prusik knot. If you speak again, I'm tying you next, you know? And it's like, <laughs> were you in the boy Scouts? Yes. Except mine had artillery, <laughs> you know, thank you to the great Robin Williams for that line. Um, but how like, did, it, how did you learn competence? <laughs> it's just like, it's like you, you guys have never tied a, a, a self cinching knot before. And they're like, well, we don't do boats. I'm like, it's not, but get in a truck. <laughs> oh my God. You know, but okay. then, then you have, you know, you have other uses for those knots as, as well. And you're like, uh, you know, my boss looks at me and is like, Hey, where's Scott? I'm like, I don't know. And then, you know, it's, it's almost movement. So now everybody's getting nervous and they find him. And while he was asleep, somebody 550 corded him to his bed. He couldn't get off. And drew and, genitalia on his face. Who would uh, do well, that? No, 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 no genitalia on the face. You, uh, you got to get them really drunk for that. And there was only so much alcohol to be found in Iraq. So, yeah. You, you also use knots for demo too, but that's another yes. story. That's another story. We'd have to get Chris on the show for that one. He yelled at me. He goes, we don't use those anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> we just have these and we put them in and everybody's happy. Like, okay. <laughs> well, what did he yell at you thing. about? Uh, when Talker ties off uh, a knot on the, uh, on the um, detonator in book five when they're fighting at the, uh, the Sphinxes. Mm-hmm. And he plants that charge on the column, and then I, I was like, and then he uses this knot and he does this, and blah, blah blah. He's like, we don't do that anymore. We just stick it in; it's good to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, I okay. feel old again. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't use canteens anymore, too, either. Okay, all right. Yeah, all right, cool. I got you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have rocks. We use salt packs. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Scrap the book. Can I have Here's a Rob. little dream that the army that I was in still exists? And like, <laughs> this guy has nail polish and there's an FM for it. Fuck you. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, my favorite is when you're talking to a young private and they're like, did, were you in the army? Yes. What, what, what did you do for a job? I said, uh, I was originally a, um, an infantryman with a specialty in, anti, specialty in anti-armor. They're like, so you, what did you drive? Like a, like a tank buster? No, I used to carry a, a rocket pack called the dragon missile. And they're like, so they look it up in their phone and they're like, wow, you're old enough to have been in Vietnam. And it's like, shut up. Don't make me hurt you. <laughs> the Medusa's family said that the first time I met her. She's only like nine years. Old, the, the, the dad goes, were you in Nam? And I'm all, 
<laughs> oh my god yep Worst was when i went from active duty to national guard and i went from infantry to parachute rigger oh nice I, I just started chewing some guy out and a staff sergeant walks up to me and he's like we don't do that here <laughs> <I'm> like, <"What?" laughs> and then i tried smoking somebody else and he goes yeah this is the national guard we don't we don't do that i'm like this is this is not my army anymore. <laughs> How long did you, you say guard? Uh, yeah, one year. Oh, oh, you did a try yeah. one? Yeah, I was like, no, not for me. <laughs> here, here, I have a parachute rigger story that a friend who was in the 82nd told me. And uh, he was down at, at post down there. And uh, they're walking into the PX. And there's this NCO. He's a black guy. And he's walking in with jump boots, but he doesn't have jump wings. So the riggers who are probably both spec force who just graduated from rigor school, throw him to the ground. And he's like an E six and take their little rigor knives and cut his laces off and throw his boots in the trash and call him a dirty leg as they walk away. And they got away with it. Cause it's the 82nd. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's Damn. legit. Was that during the eighties? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like an '80s story. Yeah, yeah. Because by the by uh, the '90s, when I was in, um, they had come down with the uh, with the ban hammer on like all sorts of like hazing and stuff. It was like a big to do back then. So it was like it was like, look, you can smoke somebody all you want with exercise. Do not stick a broom handle in their butt. <laughs> <laughs> Who is doing what now? <laughs> Doesn't sound How did fun the broom handle get involved? When did he get so out of control that you thought that was a good idea? <laughs> yes. <especially. laughs> no, but like when I, when I was in, the, the, when I was in though, like jump status was like, that was coveted. That was yeah. as much as having a ranger tab. And so like, they were very protective of it. You fucked with that. Or you, you know, like you wore, like on certain posts, if you wore jump boots and you weren't jump qualified, you were going to, same thing like on certain posts, if you wore jungle boots and you weren't in a line unit or a ranger unit, you were going to get put up. Even by people who were younger rank than you. Yeah, I liked, uh, I liked getting to the National Guard and getting to a unit and they're like, dude, pop that ranger roll out of your hat. <laughs> I, look, I looked at him and I'm like, okay. Five minutes later, my hat just kind of sunk back down again. And they were like, dude, pop that roll out of your hat. I'm like, dude, can you can you go like don't you have something more important to do than, <laughs> than Sergeant Major reflector belt me all over the post? You're making <laughs> me feel insecure about my life choices. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, d d why don't you tell them that you're shoot, d don't say it. Don't say it. You know, let them figure it out. So, yeah, Combative Spit was the next day. That was a little more fun. Oh, no, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> oh, no, why is that, so, why is that E6 unconscious? <laughs> There's that vascular neck and head restraint you're going to have to tell uh, your requisition department about. Yes, email's already sent, so. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we'll find out tomorrow. Yeah, we'll find out when you're in Vegas with us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to use the company gas card and they're just going to have to figure that out. <laughs> well, have you seen the gas prices right now? That's how it happened. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Six dollars. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, here's what I could do for you. I can go to Santa Barbara and commit a crime. They can then escape to Vegas. Yes. <laughs> and I can, I can turn myself in. Then you guys come down to X. You go like, we need to go extradite that guy. Cause we know him. And you drive down there in the squad car Cause, and cause then you extradite me. And then, it, and then on the way back after the weekend, it's all a big misunderstanding. Well, this could only work out well. I don't see any issue. <laughs> no, you do. When you get there, as you say, you have COVID and that. Yeah. Can't be taken I don't in. know. This, this is going to help us somehow. And we're going to yeah. be like, we know him. <laughs> and we're going to extradite. Oh, there's so many procedures. I'll fill it out. We'll, we'll wing it. It'll be all right. Sweet. Right on. Yeah. I like that plan. We can do it. We can do it. We'll steal a bus. All right, guys. That'd thank you for having us on. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for coming, awesome. guys. That was super fun. Have, have us back anytime. We and we always listen to the show. It's so much fun. Yeah, every time you guys post, it hits my uh, my anchor app. Nice. So yeah, always listen. It's awesome. Okay, cool. I'll keep uh, redundantly tagging all of you as well. Please, it's gonna happen. <laughs> all right, all right, guys. Well, thanks we'll for coming. Hasta la vista. Be meaner than it. Be meaner than it. Yeah.